0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Your American Heritage, baby. My name is Ed Bondarenka, and I'm, of course, not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And producing the show is the guy that answers the phones, warns me commercials are coming, puts the guests online, and finds answers to questions we ask. Derek Stone, the man who makes it happen. Derek Stone hosts Stone Cold Sports Truth. Sunday at noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd hosts the intersection at noon. The intersection is...
1: Not your normal, fluffy Christian show.
0: You should listen to both of those shows before Dr. Dave Janda comes on it, too. Listen to the Saturday lineup of Abolitionist Roundtable at 9 a.m., Trigger Talk at 11 with Dick Kupke, moment of clarity that I co-host right before this show, and to find a calming influence, stay tuned to Speaking of Art with Ed Hoffman at 3. Your American Heritage is on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, and you can and should subscribe. Boost the signal. Be a Paul Revere and get the word out. Now, here's a strange turn of events. I had a guest signed on for today, Professor Will Wagner. And you know, Will's been a frequent guest on this show, and I consider him a friend. He's not a no show. A few days ago, his wife, Marilyn, who also is a scheduler, called me and asked if we could rebook. Today's her birthday, and Will wanted to take her somewhere special for an all day event. So she asked if we could reschedule. Of course, I had to say yes, or I'd be talking to a guy who knew his wife was unhappy. Well, I had an idea given me by my friend Martin. Why not do a show on American music? So that's what we're going to do for the first half today. Joining us today is Christopher Bach, who's the manager of the Depot Town Big Band. Now, I thought it'd be interesting to have Chris on and talk about the band and American music, how uh, how they came to have the Depot Town Big Band, and I thought that might be a little bit more interesting than some of the other stuff we've been talking about recently because it's more fun and it's a bit of Americana. There's no more American music than American music and big band music is American music. I mean, you got country and Western, you got the blues and then you've got big band and swing. Actually, uh, Depot Town Big Band has been known to do swing, big band and the blues I haven't heard them do country and western yet. So Chris when are you going to do country and western? <laughs> I don't
2: I don't think that first of all hey thanks for having me on ed it's it's really nice to be able to speak with you and in in your crowd. Um country I don't I don't see that coming anytime soon but that's not <laughs> to say that we won't do it. Um if you would have asked me 2 years ago would we play uh Music from a video game. I would say you're crazy, but here we are, starting in uh, 2021. We started playing bob Bobomb Battlefield from Super Mario Brothers. So anything is possible.
0: It's all music, right? There's only two it's kinds all music. of music.
2: And you know, it's funny you say that because um, we play a piece by Ray Charles, and you know, called Crimea River and Crimea River, you know, when you listen to, to Ray Charles do it, it's definitely rhythm and blues, but there's a, almost a country vibe to it. And so, it's not that off off the wall for us to do something like that.
0: Wait, wait, wait. You mean this Crimea River? great fiona right
2: yeah yeah fiona lynn an amazing story uh actually there's there's two stories there's the real story of how we got her and then there's uh the not so true but way more colorful story (laughs) uh which one do you want to hear first
0: oh let's go for you know the less colorful and then we'll build up to the colorful
2: The, the, the real one so uh fiona's originally from australia and she came and she works at university of michigan hospital and through her connections in a choral setting i can't remember it was a a small kind of a glee group or it was a larger choir but she knew somebody who knew matt balmer matt balmer was the gentleman who started the depot town big band and she got in touch when she realized that uh he wanted a, a vocalist and so she became our vocalist. Now, what I was told, and I told this story at least a hundred times, that she found us on a Craigslist ad. <laughs> <laughs> and I had been telling this story repeatedly, believing every every minute of it. and then she came up to me one time she goes, "You know that's not that's not true." <laughs> and I said, "What?" She goes, "No. No, I didn't answer an ad on on Craigslist. I, I, I knew. I, I met Matt through a, a a friend who was in a choral group. I went, oh well, I'm going to start telling everybody we found you on Craigslist. So <laughs> anyhow, whether it was Craigslist or not, um, she's been with us uh, for many, many years, and we're we're so grateful to have her. She she she's really elevates the the quality of our group. Yep.
0: She's a powerhouse. She's, uh, uh, you know, listening to her sing, you'd never believe she's Australian until she says a few words, not singing, then there's a media. And her family's come over here to, to see her sing. I got to say the first time I'd heard of you guys, Sherry and I were having dinner at Hobbs. Mike Cabot, the owner, asked me, he says, hey, you coming back for the big band? And I says, what do you mean? For some reason, it totally went right by my radar. And uh, so, Sherry and I started attending the big band concerts that were at Hobbs, and were a monthly thing every Tuesday, every third Tuesday, I think. And both uh, Tuesday of every month, something like that. Yes, exactly. I was almost there. I was. I had a one in four chance of getting it, and I, I was real close too. So, yeah, and then. Got to taking videos of you guys and putting them on YouTube and getting Mike in trouble with uh, ASCAP and uh, BMI BMI. for royalties. (laughs) Yeah, it's a shame that Hobbs is closed, but it was a regular thing. I'd invite friends that, hey, everybody seemed to enjoy it. And uh, one day, Mike asked me if I was willing to buy the building next door, and I, I asked him why. Why would I want to buy the building next door. It's, you know, vacant. There's no rent coming into it. And he says, well, the band needs a place to practice because I heard you guys were going to get kicked out of there when one of the former members of the band owned that building, right, and moved off.
2: Right. So, and that's how we actually got the relationship with Hobbs. So we'll even take a step further back. We originally rehearsed, at EMU Alexander Hall. And this was when we were part of Matt Balmer's kind of graduate project. We were just a pet project. We started off in in 2011 as a reading band and started kind of gaining a little bit more speed. And eventually, um, we needed to leave EMU. And our bassist at the time, Eric Walters, lived next door to Hops. So we started rehearsing in his first floor because that building was a three floor building. And the bottom, he had this grand plan to use it as a rehearsal space or a, a dance space, you know, for ballet or mm-hmm. whatnot. People would be able to rent it. It never happened. It was the home of Depot Town Big Band. Yeah. So he knew Mike and said, hey, Mike, we want to have a remote rehearsal. We just want to walk around the, the wall and, and play. So we started playing at Hobbs, and and that's what it was. It was a remote rehearsal. It it was was never billed as a concert. We never advertised um, outside of a few, you know, hey on Facebook, you know, we're we're going to be playing, but uh, Hobbs never put us in their newsletter. Hobbs never put up a a poster, you know, on on their wall, never, and. <laughs> We got to the point where Mike had never taken reservations in all the years that he <laughs> owned that that place, never had reservations. And we had been there for only two years, and he started taking reservations. We had the room booked more than six months in advance. And finally, he just had to call it and say, OK, look, folks, we're only going to do two months in advance so we can get have people, you know. Uh, different people try to get in, right? So it was a good time. It was a good time. Matter of fact, I celebrated my 40th birthday there.
0: Well, <laughs> so, oh, Fiona sang you happy birthday too. Yeah, that's, that that's got, right. that got to be something cool too. Every every month, whoever had a birthday, she sang birthday, a happy birthday when she was she was there singing to everybody. So yeah, and I remember you know talking to Mike about you know I I can't afford to buy that building. Nice try, and I really felt bad that you guys you know, we're going to lose a place to practice. And quite frankly, I was walking around the building and I saw you standing out outside next to your partner in crime, Ben Kessler, talking. And I walked by and we were talking a bit. And then as I'm walking away, all of a sudden it struck me, hey, I know a place where you could practice, you know, as long as you didn't smoke and drink and do drugs on the premises, you know, because that's what, that's what jazz <laughs> jazz players do.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that night. It was kind of a chilly night, not as cold as it is right now. But I remember you and Sherry walking by, and you almost turned on your heel and came back and said, "Hey, you don't have a home, do you?" Said, "No, we don't have a home at the moment. How about this?" And we're we're not your your traditional jazz players, right? Uh, we're always thirty minutes early for every gig. Uh, you know? <laughs> Everybody has all their music and their parts. You Nobody's guys have everybody. some
0: credentialed people. I remember you and I were talking once about well, we figured something out because so where you practice now is in our church fellowship hall. It's almost like I had this inspiration from God, like you know, and then and it fit your bill, and then I ran it by my pastor, and he said yeah. And we, I remember the night we moved all your stuff over, and you and I were talking, and you started telling me about the credentials of your players, you know, and it's like oh yeah top uh, department head in physics at U of M. And,
2: uh, you know, I was like, wow. I don't want, I don't want to state this unequivocally, but I would argue that we probably have the most doctorates in a, in a, in a community band in Southeast Michigan than anyone else. Um, yeah, we have a psychiatrist that is our piano player, We have a doctor of metallurgy in engineering. Uh, Our latest doctoral student is Helios physicist. He'll be singing uh, Mr. Grinch uh, at our next concert. This Um, is true. Yeah, we we have a lot of of PhDs, a lot of masters.
0: So you have a concert coming up uh, Monday, next Monday, And tell us where that's going to be. And then we're going to talk about your other concert, which is nearer and dearer to my heart, the Tuesday following. So go ahead and put a plug in
2: for Monday night. So the Washtenaw Community College Jazz Program is led by Steve Summers. And Steve is an old friend of every jazz musician in town. And he's putting on a, a great program of some small ensembles and a couple large ensembles and most of them are his students so we have been invited to be a guest we'll be playing i believe right in the middle so he's opening with a with a big band then a a combo then us then another combo and another big band um starts at 7 p.m at the towsley auditorium at the morris lawrence building of washtenaw community college 7 p.m., we go on roughly 7.30, and it'll be about 90 minutes to two hours long. Uh, I'm not sure how how many songs he's putting on, but we'll be playing four songs.
0: Okay. Now, you're going to be playing significantly more songs than that on Tuesday night, and that's when you guys pay the rent, right? This is where you pay the bill. (laughs) Yes. At 613 Martin Place a Community Christian Assembly of God, which is off of Prospect and near Michigan, just north of Michigan, 613 Martin Place, which also doubles as your uh, uh, recital hall, you're going to be putting on a concert. You've done that for two or three years now, and they've always been good, always been good. There'll be refreshments. Starts at 730, right? You guys are prompt, so you'll be there at 7.
2: Yeah, well, we'll be there a little bit earlier than that uh, to set up. But yep, seven thirty to nine. Yeah, and we might go just a few minutes longer. We've we've got a, a couple surprises for the night. Oh, so. well, that's
0: good. And, and there'll be uh, there'll be holiday songs, of course. And uh, it's not a religious event, except that it celebrates Christmas. But uh, there's not going to be
2: an ultra call at the end, that I know of. And, uh, <laughs> no no no. there's 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 not uh, we'll start the we'll start the evening off with some traditional um tunes sweet georgia brown crime river as we already talked about uh of course fiona will be singing um that's a true and then the second half will be all the holiday favorites things like oh christmas tree santa claus is coming to town um it is uh part of hanukkah well hanukkah starts the seventh through the 15th. So we will also be doing a, uh, a Hanukkah song uh, based on Maud Sur, uh which for those of you who know Hebrew, uh, roughly translates to Rock of Ages or Rock of My Salvation. So we'll be doing that as well. And uh, as I mentioned, we have, a, we have a special You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch with Chris Burt, um, who will be singing that one.
0: That's great. Yeah, I want to play something else that you guys did at uh, at Hobbs. It's kind of has an ambiance to it, you know, kind of stuff that I'm I'm used to hearing from you guys. So that's kind of what you'll be doing um, when you do the classical stuff, um, but that's that's the quality. You guys have a horn section that just doesn't quit, and of course, you guys do solos, the keyboards, uh, the bass. Uh, the drummer is a,
2: is an excellent drummer. Go ahead. We yeah we uh, we're very fortunate. Um, we still have. Several of the original members from 2011. In uh, 2017, myself and and Ben Kessler, who's the rehearsal director, uh, the musical director, took over the band from Matt Ballmer. And from that point on, we have only had maybe five or six people leave the band, um, usually for moving. Uh, one of our saxophone players, she moved to... Uh, Saskatchewan. So she and her husband could have dual appointments as professors at the University of uh, Saskatoon, um, which meant that we also lost one of our PhDs. But <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, so, you know, people move away. Uh, they retire uh, due to health. Um, we've had uh, two members pass away. But for the most part, we, we've been the same group uh, for the last seven years so when you're that consistent you're you're going to play well um and ben does a great job of getting good music out of us so
0: he's done arrangements for you too you know what you guys represent is something that is kind of american at, at its soul and that is a community band now you are kind of like a choice representation of a community band. There aren't people just wandering in and sitting in because they are taxpayers or something like that, but it's, it's people getting together for a love of the music and for the, the, the friendship and fellowship of creating good music and playing together. And then there's gigs like this with where the rest of us get to listen in. That's what I like right. about it.
2: We, we, we always joke that we, we straddle the line between being a professional group and a community group. And I tend to, use the phrase volunteer group. Um, Many community groups like uh, the great Ypsilanti symphony orchestra, um, you pay to play. Um, It is a community group. Anybody can play within reason, but you have to pay your dues to be able to be a part of it. We don't, we don't charge to play. Um, We hope that we can give you gas money once in a while. If you play, (laughs) play a gig, Uh, but it doesn't always happen. But, we we primarily try to give back to the community much like the ccag gig um, we've also done things down the street on michigan avenue there's a tower for um disability and low-income housing and we've played there for them because they can't get out they can't right. come to to wcc and see us they can't make it to Zell gas so we come to them Zell gas grotto it's always free of charge
0: Zelgas Grotto in Ann Arbor. And you guys have played the, the Ann Arbor Art Fair, too, on the
2: street, haven't you? We've, we've done the it's, not the, it's not the art fair, but when the pandemic lockdowns happened, Ann Arbor shut down the streets so that people could eat outside. When the lockdowns were lifted, they kept doing it. And finally, one day, a a gentleman uh, who is connected to Sonic Lunch decided, you know what? We need music if people are going to be sitting outside. So we are now part of that summer uh, program. We started off one year only doing one concert, and and last year we did three. So we'll see see what 2024 brings. I have a feeling it could be a few more.
0: That's good. Well, we've only got about a minute left, and... uh... Folks, we've been talking to Chris Bach. He's uh, the manager of the Depot Town Big Band, and they're going to be playing at uh, a Washington Community College, as he said earlier, and then he's going to be at a Community Christian Assembly of God on 613 Martin Place, and that'll be Tuesday night at 730. And you're invited to join and come listen, free of charge, gift to the community, and there's going to be refreshments.
2: So, uh, Chris, anything else you want to say in closing? No, thank you very much for having me and thank you for getting us introduced to the CCAG because without them, we wouldn't have a home to rehearse and we wouldn't have a, a nice place like that to, to perform. So it's been a great experience these last 12 years, being able to give back to the community.
0: Yeah. It's better than rehearsing out on the street corner in the middle of winter. right? That is true.
2: All especially right. in Michigan.
0: Thanks, Chris. Well, once again, folks, Join us this Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m., 6.13 Martin Place, prospect just north of Michigan and off to the side a little bit. And the Depot Town Big Band is going to be playing our Christmas concert. Refreshments, and it'll be warm. Hope to see you there. Come on back after the commercials for the second half of Your American Heritage. <laughs> Well, that was Henry Mancini's Peter Gunn played by the Depot Town Big Band. And if you want to hear that whole uh, recording, it's on my YouTube channel under Depot Town Big Band Playlist. And uh, remember, Tuesday the 5th at 613 Martin Place, you can hear them play for free, and there will be free refreshments. So, of course, I want to welcome you back to...
3: Your American Heritage, baby.
0: And my name is Ed Bondarenka, and for the second half of the show, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that I've noticed the last week. All right, That's a little bit change up from the music. And when I was a kid, my dad took me to Tiger Stadium, and there was a guy going through the stands yelling, "Get your programs, get your programs. You can't tell the players without a program." Sort of like this.
1: Get up by your
0: yeah and I found that to be true in life. Uh, Derek, you've you've heard the program Hawkers before, right? Yeah,
3: I, I certainly remember those days at Tiger Stadium.
0: Yeah. And so if you wanted to know who the players were and what was going on you you wanted to, you know especially if the opposing team and you weren't familiar with them, you wanted to know something about them maybe a little bit more about your players and that's true in life you want to know what the stats are on a player. You might want to hear somebody say something on the radio and you wonder who was that person and you want to find out something about them. So that's easy enough these days you do a web search and find out their background. Often I'll hear the name of a politician and I'll forget which party they represent or which state. Uh, Some I remember all too well, you know, and uh, you know, there's Chris Cuomo. Cuomo used to be a Democrat party, anti-Trump CNN host and they kicked him off for bad behavior. And, you know, I thought I knew his position and I heard him say this the other night.
3: If it's Biden, Trump, look for me again, um, we survived a Trump administration. Uh, would we survive another one? Yes. Yes. I don't think there's any greater risk to America with him than with Biden. And for people who are now going to attack me and say, what are you talking about? Trump is like this crazy man. Well, look, you know, as Patrick says, the data is the data. Nobody was trying to kill us when Trump was president in a way that they're not now. If anything, there's more hostility and you can have reasons for that any way
0: you want. I was astounded to hear that. I mean, really astounded to hear that. And that he just made it seem like, you know, as far as his point of view, we could survive a Democrat. I mean, a Trump presidency which is not the party line in the democratic party and uh that he might even vote for trump and then i heard this
3: i never said <laughs> i would consider voting for trump the, the quest- i said i'm open well what he is that, said that is so a distinction are you open a to voting for trump i said i'm always open i did not say open to voting for trump
0: yeah well
3: well who are you gonna believe me or your own eye
0: when you hear somebody say something that seems contrary to their party's position, you want to check it out. You want to know, did I hear that correctly? Now, I heard Liz Cheney speak. Now, I'd always assume she was a Republican because that's what she claimed she was, and she's a Cheney. I mean, Liz Cheney, the daughter of Dick Cheney, former Republican vice president, registered Republican. And like Cuomo, she's been in the news lately. Here's something she said that's gotten them riled up. You say Donald Trump, if he is reelected, it will be the end of the republic.
2: What do you mean? He's told us what he will do. It's very easy to see the steps that he will take. People who say, well, if he's elected, it's not that dangerous because we have all of these checks and balances, uh, don't fully understand the extent to which the Republicans in Congress today um, have been co-opted. One of the things that we see happening today is a sort of a, a sleepwalking into a dictatorship in the United States.
0: Uh, a slow sleepwalking into a dictatorship in the United States. That's probably the stupidest thing I ever heard, except for maybe this.
3: America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. was in the, foot, uh, foot, foot, the foothills of the Himalayas.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the benchmark right there. So she's afraid of a slow slide into a dictatorship. Cuomo was not. I've been I think I've been seeing that lately. You know, there's this whole, oh, we're going to lose the democracy. We're going to lose the republic if if Trump should be reelected. He'll be a fascist, a dictator. And uh, I want to know what does a dictatorship look like? What do dictators do? Well, I got to thinking. One thing is they use war as a distraction. They try to unite the people behind them against an external threat. It's the oldest trick in the book. Another one is gangs are allowed to run rampant in the streets as long as they support your political philosophy. Now, if you know anything about Mussolini or Hitler, you remember their street gangs that terrorized citizens, the black shirts and the brown shirts. Remember, they went around busting out windows of of, uh, opposition to the Nazis or the fascists, and they brought people out in the streets and humiliated them or beat them up, anybody who dared stand up. So that's something that Democrats do. It's also something that uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa uh, terrorists do, or even the the, uh, Palestinians that uh, are uh, peacefully demonstrating, rioting. You know, against uh, uh, supporting Israel, and yet they get a pass. Why did they get a pass? Why aren't they going to jail the way the J6ers did? So uh, something else you do when you're a dictator is you tell private industry what they can and can't manufacture for the good of the nation. That'd be one thing if you were saying, well, you can no longer make uh, thalidomide because it poisons people. I get that. But if you know anything about Mussolini or Hitler, you know that unlike the Soviets, they didn't confiscate private industry. They co-opted it. They let it go as long as it did what they told it to do. Why take on the burden of managing something when all you have to do is let the managers do what you want them to do? So you direct the economy. That's what that's what dictators do. That was famous in in uh, the fascist Italy and, and uh, Nazi Germany, this this uh, working together of government and industry. You know, it's one thing World War II, where we did that in the United States to defend America, is quite another thing. When we're not at war, it's not a war footing, but you're trying to manipulate the economy and the people to buy things, do things that you want them to do, oftentimes because... Your friends are running those businesses or seek to profit from them. Um, So one thing you might do is ban internal combustion engines, ban clean coal power plants, and give taxpayer money to your buddies to build windmills and solar farms and telling the utility industry that they must use these instead of the infrastructure that they already invested in previously. What's going on here? What's the benefit to the American people to do these things? And where is it in the Constitution that the government has the right to do these things? Please show me. Another thing they do is insist that automakers build electric vehicles that don't sell and stopping producing cars that people want. Now, nearly 4,000 auto dealers sent a letter to President Biden asking him to tap the brakes on ev regulations you know stop it dude stop it this is a prominent car dealer on electric vehicles this guy's uh he he's the uh owns a dealership in i think it's uh new jersey
1: well there's a there's a vast majority of them for sure that have that have bought the cars and uh, in some in some cases have returned them at, at quite a great rate um but I do want to be clear, this is this letter and its intention and why we got behind it was purely for the facts of the the, the customers. I mean, we we interact with on the showroom floor every single day clients. And as they come in and inquire about these vehicles um, and then wind up taking them home and realize that, hey, this wasn't quite the range I thought I was going to get or it's more difficult to charge because there's not as many locations, I think the, the anxiety of that is one part of it. But then the main purpose of this was really an affordability issue. You know, when you think of an everyday American, um, like, I mean, we're in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. market. We've got a lot of military here. Um, it's tough to think that a, a member of the military or a nurse or a school teacher is all of a sudden going to be able to afford a sixty, seventy dollars $70,000, in some cases, $80,000 EV. It's just not practical. So that's that's also a real driving point to this letter. And, the, and that's why we titled it The Voice of the Customer. Yeah, The Voice of the Customer.
0: Why is the government mandating and telling the customer they can't have what they want? Where, where is that an American principle? I'll tell you something else. This is not an attack on electric vehicles, although I, I'm opposed to them. But if you want to buy one, by all means, you should be able to buy one if somebody's willing to make one for you. And also, if the government is not spending our tax dollars so that you can afford one. They shouldn't be giving government tax rebates to people who buy electric cars. There's no benefit to the nation to do that. So that in itself should be a crime, and it probably is, but it probably won't get prosecuted either. Consumer Reports, November 30th, a couple days ago, says in a headline, full electric vehicles have almost 80 percent more problems than gas-powered ones. Okay, now, does that sound like it's in the interest of the American people? They go on to say that plug-in hybrids are worse. These are the ones that they're hybrids, but you plug them in. 150% more problems. Remember, this is Consumer Reports. And I was surprised to read that non-plug-in hybrids, once you don't plug in, they charge while you're driving along. A friend of mine is going to buy. They have 40% less problems than full internal combustion vehicles. Well, that makes sense to buy. That means the market would and should support it. I said a friend of mine was telling me about buying one and i thought "Eh, eh, eh." and once he explained it all to me i said you know you make a good case for it i i kind of like the idea but what right does the government have to mandate you buy a full electric vehicle at higher initial costs and higher repair costs they go on they want to ban gas stoves portable generators gas lawnmowers stuff people want to buy they say they want to protect the planet but everything they propose gives them more dictatorial powers. So what's their motivation? It's to gain more power. That's what dictators do. What else do dictators do? They ignore constitutional law regarding First Amendment rights. They go to media and social platforms and dictate what speech they can allow. We saw that revealed when Elon Musk bought Twitter. They ignore the law and second amendment rights by unilaterally changing regulations regarding weapons and accessories dictators always disarm the populace prove me wrong please show me a dictator that didn't disarm the populace first but it's one thing if if the constitution remember that's the framework of our of our government if it allowed that disarmament but it doesn't quite the Quite the opposite encourages the armament of the population. They turn This is another thing dictators do. They turn government agencies against those out of favor and away from those in favor. They jail their political enemies and send the IRS after them. These are hallmarks of a dictatorship. Rules that you have to accommodate people's feelings by insisting, under penalty of law in this state, that if a lawyer misgenders someone, they can lose their license, and go to jail. Or face a fine. Now, how are you supposed to know how to address someone without a program? You need a program. Who are the players? You might look at somebody and say it's a he or she. What do you know? How do you know?
3: Well, who are you going to believe, me or your own I?
0: Yeah. Another thing that dictators do is they subpoena their, the opposition's donors to go after a Supreme Court justice they want removed to shove their agenda through the courts. But they ignore... Epstein's flight longs and videos and won't subpoena them because they may damage their position. You say both sides do this? I can't think of an instance of conservatives doing this, certainly not as policy. If you can take a one, call in 734-822-1600. Now, another thing dictators do is they take your children from you and do what they will. This is, this is so evident, once again, in Nazi Germany, then the Hitler Youth was mandatory. And the kids had to go there and get indoctrinated in Nazi propaganda, regardless of what the parents felt. And the Russians were famous for for doing that also with the uh, school system they had there, the Soviet school system, right? And uh, in our our, uh, system, we're seeing stuff like this.
1: I pledge allegiance to the queers. Third period, we have announcements and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always tell my class, stand if you feel like it, don't stand if you feel like it, say the words if you want, don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand, but not say the words. Totally fine. Except for the fact that my room does not have a flag. It used to be there, but I took it down during COVID because it made me uncomfortable. And um, I packed it away and I don't know where, and I haven't found it yet. But my kid today goes, hey, um, it's kind of weird that we just stand and then, you know, we say it to nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to find it like I'm working on it. I got you. <laughs> in the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he like looks around and he goes, oh, that one.
0: Yeah, that would be the pride flag. She thinks it's so cute and amusing to subvert the will of you for your children and impose her own beliefs on them. And when the state encourages that, then that's what a dictatorship does. They indoctrinate them in their own political and personal philosophy and ignore you and your will for your children. They ignore immigration law. They allow people to cross the border with no restraint to further their own agenda they take housing away and give it to a favored class. This is in the news this week. Dozens of New York City seniors are evicted from nursing home, turned into migrant shelter. Dozens of seniors in New York, including a 94-year-old army veteran named Frank Tomorrow, were evicted from their senior citizen center, which was then converted into a migrant shelter. City officials have estimated that tens of thousands of migrants have entered the city since last spring, which is costing around five million dollars per day mayor eric adams who previously boasted about new york city being a sanctuary for migrants has more recently complained about the influx of migrants well let's take a show of hands okay i'm looking at how many believe the illegal migrants funded that center with their taxes hmm. did you hear me I'm not seeing okay all right okay how many people believe those seniors taxes those seniors taxes funded that senior center okay well that was easy you put your hands down now yeah so uh like i said the phone number is 734 going back to free speech elon musk and i have something in common we're not beholden to our advertisers here's the richest man in the world okay here we go
3: there was all of the criticism there was advertisers leaving we talked to bob Iger I hope today. You hope, uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If if somebody's gonna try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go
0: yourself. But
3: go yourself.
0: Is that clear? (laughs) It just leaves them speechless. They can't believe they're, they're not used to somebody saying that, you know, and it's not the F word either. It's the, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I don't I never ask for support on this show. I have one sponsor. That's my wife. And um, we answer to God. We don't answer to advertisers. And then so here's Elon on censorship after that. Ready? Freedom of speech. You have
3: to say, when is it relevant? (laughs) It's only relevant when when someone you don't like can say something you don't like or it it has no meaning. Um, and, And as soon as you sort of. You know, throw in the towel and concede to censorship. It is only a matter of time before someone censors you.
0: There you go. I mean, this guy is smart enough to be the richest man in the world. Maybe he has a little bit of wisdom there. I don't guarantee it. I wouldn't believe everything he says, but there's some of this stuff. Yeah. Now, here's my take on free speech. You have the right to speak. You also have the right to remain silent. But you have the right to speak. It might offend somebody. That doesn't mean that offending someone should be your go-to position. Like I said, you have the right to remain silent also. Jesus said, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Don't try to be offensive, but realize that some people are offended by your very existence. That's a different story. That's on them. Now, here's a quote, shine so that all might see the light that is in you. That's a good code to abide by. Have an answer to those who ask questions. I had a friend years ago, he was a top salesman in the computer chip field, and I knew he didn't know his product extensively at the time. And I asked him how he handled that. If a customer asked him something, he didn't know. And he said that he would have to be honest with the client and say, I don't know the answer to that, but I know someone who does, and I'll get back to you. You can't know everything and don't believe that the person you're talking to does either. Be willing to change your position, but only if you are convinced enough to change it after doing your own research. Men have fought and died to establish this nation on an agreed-upon set of rules, the Constitution. Free speech, among our other rights, is enshrined in that charter, that framework, the club rules, that authorizes the government to act. The Constitution can evolve, but the rules demand that it do so by amendments, not administrative or judicial interpretation. If it's not adhered to, then the government is exceeding the authority given it by the club rules. That's always grounds for redress or removal. Now, I ask you if you joined a club, any kind of club, and there were a certain set of rules, and all of a sudden they change the rules on you without taking a vote it's just hey hey from now on everybody's got to wear mismatched socks and uh uh, oh a funny hat when they come to the meetings and they didn't ask anybody they're exceeding their authority and what gives them the right to do that nothing but when they have uh the federal full force of uh the federal government behind them that's what you call a dictatorship okay That's grounds for redress or removal, impeachment, whatever it takes. And I mean, whatever it takes. So to answer the question, are we slowly marching to a dictatorship? Yes, it's evident. Everything I just told you says we are. But who is the parade marshal? And have we arrived? And better yet, can we retreat? Well, that's something we're going to have to find out in the days to come. This is we're at a very precarious position as a nation. We need to win the hearts and minds of our fellow citizens. And we need to stand for what's right. We can't let ourselves be shut up. Now, at the same time, we don't want to be offensive in it. We need to turn this country around. And quite frankly, it's it's a spiritual battle also. And so I suggest you pray about it also. And. Take the time, take the time to be informed. Think about what your response should be. And then once again, take the time to pray. I'm going to pray right now. Father, I ask you to lead us and guide us in this nation. And I ask you to help us restore it to constitutional grounds, to legal authority. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Once again, Depot Town Big Band, Tuesday night. 730. And we'll talk to you next week. Your American Heritage. America, bless God.